Jesus, you can have this whole world. Give me Jesus. Y'all remember that? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this soul. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Sing that with me. Give me Jesus. You can have this soul world. Give me Jesus. <laughs> Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this whole world, but give me Jesus. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things always going on around, and there's always a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of times we search for a lot of things that never satisfy us. But I have found in my life that nothing will satisfy like Jesus. And I've had that song in my spirit all week long as we prepared this message. And I could just hear God speaking and ministering to my heart. And sometimes you go through some things in life and life will kind of pull you down and all that baggage and stuff will hold on to it and we'll hold on to all those things that are holding us back. We'll hold on to all those chains that get us and all that negativity and, and, and pride will seep in and all sorts of stuff. And you'll be holding on to words that your mother spoke over you, your father spoke over you. But I encourage you this morning to drop that stuff in the bin and just say, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this whole world, but give me Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Speak your servants, listen. God, speak a word to us, and we'll be careful to give you praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There is a word from the Lord today. We will be going and perusing through several passages of Scripture. So I don't necessarily know if we'll read at the beginning. I'm so glad to see all of you, my father's children. For those of you who watch online, uh, we want to say welcome to our fellowship. Welcome um, to life. Welcome home. If this is not your everyday stop and you don't stop here every Sunday, I want to tell you welcome home and we look forward to seeing you more and more each day. Why don't we give a hand clap and welcome those. Today's title comes from a song that says, Give Me Jesus. 
we've been talking about baggage and how do we unpack what's holding us back. And our theme scripture is lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. In other words, not just the sins in our life set us back, but there are other things in our life that set us back. We, we have some things where we have triggers and we're snapping on people for no reason, and that's holding us back. We can't have forgiveness in our heart, and it's holding our relationships back. Even it affects our relationship with God because Jesus says, how can you love me? God says this, whom you've never seen and hate your brother whom you see every day. In other words, until there is a fix in your horizontal relationships with people, you will never have a true vertical relationship with Jesus. If you look through the first 10, 10 parts of the Ten Commandments, if you look at the first five, it has to do with our relationship with God. But the last five, have to do with our relationship with one another. How many of you know how you treat, how you speak to one another, how we interact with one another matters? And oftentimes we hurt people unknowingly simply because hurt people hurt people. And we have become accustomed to nursing our bad habits, nursing those things in our lives that need to go. And we don't let them go because we have believed the lie and we tell that lie all the time. Well, that's just the way I am. I can't, I can't be any more patient than I am. Yes, you can, but you're not choosing to be. And when you choose not to be, you're comfortable with it, but your impatience is injuring other people. Your anger is injuring other people. Your sadness and depression is injuring people who love you and want the best for you. And they, they are hurt by seeing you sad. And many times in this world, I call it a lost generation. My generation is a generation that is seeking spirituality, but they are not seeking the right spirituality. They know that they are spiritual beings, and, and because they are spiritual beings, they, there's something in them. The Bible says that he has placed eternity in the hearts of men. What does that mean? God has placed a hole inside of your heart that's a God-sized hole that can only be filled by God himself. So mankind has a longing and a yearning to know God, and the problem is that we try to keep filling an eternal hole with temporal stuff. What do you mean? We try to fill that hole of loneliness by surrounding ourselves with people. We try to fill that hole of loneliness by surrounding ourselves with binge watching TV. We try to fill those holes by surrounding ourselves with our cell phones. And you can tell somebody who's not at peace a lot of times in life because they are addicted to their cell phone and you can't even see them without a cell phone in their hand. And if their cell phone goes beneath 80% charge, they panic and they say, you can't touch my charger. And they'll leave their Bible at home, but they'll leave work and turn around to go get a cell phone because they're addicted to that cell phone. And that cell phone takes the place of the void that's in their soul. And they're trying to fill it with space. Why? Because they're trying to fill their life and fill the hole in the void in their life and cover up their baggage by the God of busyness. As long as I'm busy and I'm distracted and something's always going on, I can pretend that I'm okay and I don't have to be alone with my thoughts and think that I have to have something else to fix my life. I can pretend that I'm okay, so I'll turn on my favorite news channel. And when I turn on my favorite news channel, it helps me to be even more distracted because there's something flashing in the left-hand corner. There's something flashing in the right-hand corner. There's something rolling down 
down the bottom of the screen telling me how mad I should be. And I can't ever get at peace with God because I'm always having all of these distractions. And I use these things to give me comfort. Some of us are emotional eaters and we use food to give us comfort. We place everything else in the place of Jesus. Some of us use and substitute friends and some of us substitute activity. Some of us substitute all sorts of things, not realizing that those things will never satisfy us. If we all be honest, we have some things in our life that could use a little work, and all of us are looking for significant change in our lives. How many of you have something in your life you know that needs to get better? Can you be honest today and say, Lord, I have some things in my life that I I need to get better. If you didn't raise your hand, I can tell you what your thing is. You're a liar. That's what you are because everybody has something in their life that they need to get better. You are not so holy that that God is ready to take you up. When Enoch walked with God and Enoch became to the point, God, the Bible said, and Enoch walked with God and Enoch was not. He was translated. We all have some things. I I, I said that in jest, but it's important for us to know so we'll let our guard down because we get scared to let people know that we're not perfect. We got all this baggage in our life, and we like to play the religious role. But I'll submit to you this morning that all those problems have the same solution, (laughs) and his name is Jesus As we continue, I'm going to give you three simple principles that help us to be free from what is binding us, what is holding us. We come to everything else. We want to go to life coaches, and we want to go to counseling, and we want to go to all these things. And those things have their place, but they are temporal, not eternal, which means they can fix a few things. But there are some things deep down on the inside that your life coach and your counselor cannot fix. Go to your counselor. Go to your life coach. I encourage that those things are good, but those things do not have lasting value to fix you way down deep on the inside. I submit to you this morning that you can go to a doctor and many people die and the the doctor can't ever figure out what's wrong with them and they die and on the outside it looks like they're okay. Do you not know that some people actually die of a broken heart? That some people are so stressed with life and some people are so sad and depressed on the inside that they give up and they die. Didn't you remember that we talked about the other weeks uh, that you can live for 40 days without food and you can live for about three days without water, but you can't live for one second without hope. That's why the enemy comes to kill and to steal and destroy. He's not after your house. He's not after your car. He's not after your husband. He's not after your wife. He's after the purpose that God has placed on your life. And if he can stop you, he can stop God's purpose. But I serve no on the devil today that it's time to unpack what's holding you back and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and God is coming to set you free from all those things that hold you back the number one thing I want you to let let you know that you need this morning three quick points we're not going to be long today that I want to know how I get to Jesus I want to know how to unpack what's holding me back how do I get to Jesus everybody said come to him sometimes there's so much noise going on in our soul that it's hard to delineate between who's speaking have you ever had a thought pop in your mind and process and you say wait a minute that doesn't sound like me 
<laughs> because you got the enemy speaking in your ear. The Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you. But not only are those two fighting, most times we look at it just like the cartoon. You got the good imp on this side and the bad imp on that side. But guess what? They're the third voice. Not only is the enemy seeking to destroy you, not only is the Holy Spirit seeking to set you free, but this thing called the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, many times is self-destructive, and it's seeking to destroy you too. So you got two things fighting against you. You got the enemy telling you, you know you'll never be anything. You've always been a failure. And you got your soul saying, yeah, you know you're right. And you hear this faint voice that's saying, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this other thing is saying, you know nobody ever loved you. And you remember all the mistakes you made. God can never love you. And then your soul is saying, oh, you know you're right. And God is saying, I loved you so much that I sent my son to die for you. And all the time, it's hard to delineate who's speaking. Can we be honest this morning and really realize sometimes we hear voices in our head and we don't even know who's talking? There are voices from our past relationships. There are voices from our past failures. And when we try to move forward, we're paralyzed in a state of confusion. And we don't know how to deal with the present because we are locked into the past. And if we'll be honest, Jesus wants to liberate us. But the truth of the matter is we're just tired. Can we be honest this morning that we've had so many disappointments sometimes in life? You just say, I'm just tired. I get up in the bed and I'm tired. Fannie Lou Hamer used to have a saying that said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You wake up and the doctor has a bad report today. You wake up the next day and the kids are crazy. You go to work and there are things that are not like they need to be. You get home and there's no peace at home and you feel stressed out and nothing seems to fill your life. And you say, you know what? I'm just tired. Why are you tired? I don't know. You're tired because you're tired of wrestling. You go to bed with stuff on your mind. And when you wake up, some of you in the middle of the night, when you wake up, you, before you can even get enough from your autonomic system to open your eyes, you can hear your dreams and you can hear your dreams. And all these things are rumbling around in your head. You've tossed and turned all night long because although you are trying to get sleep, you haven't gotten any rest and you have no peace because these things keep rolling around and around in your mind. You try not to worry about them, but you keep worrying about them. You try to let them go, but they seem to keep holding you back and you don't know what to do. I've got a solution. You've got to come to Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, he says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's read that together. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this because he gives us an open invitation. He doesn't just say, come to me all who are perfect. He doesn't just come to me and say, come to me all prayer warriors. He doesn't come to me and say, come to me all those who pay their tithes and show up every Sunday. You could be on the street corner, but if you're ready to give up to God, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, which means that if you are breathing and you can fog a mirror, you are qualified to come to God and give your sins to Jesus. 
Jesus, you are qualified to give your life up to God and say, God, I can't handle my life. I made a mess of my life. The things I'm doing give me no peace. You are qualified to come to the master because of the blood of Jesus Christ and say, save me. I'm tired. Anybody tired today? Anybody tired and it seems like I take two steps forward and three steps pull me back? Jesus is giving us an open invitation. You are burdened with baggage of life, but you don't have to feel like you're not good enough to receive his mercy. Come on here. Brother Joe helped me preach this morning. Brother Joe talked about, and we're going to be talking about in a few weeks, toxic shame. That many times we don't receive what God has for us because we feel like we're not good enough for it. And we've been fed that religious lie. You know that all your righteousness is fifth rag. That's the absolute truth. But when Jesus says he washes your sins, he said, though your sins be as scarlet, read it all, that I will make you white as snow. In other words, you can't make yourself righteous. But even when Jesus comes along, he washes you. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. When Jesus washes you, you are clean. And there's nothing anybody can bring up about your life. There's nothing they can bring up about your past because the Bible said that if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature and all things have passed away and behold, all things are made new. You will not live a mistake free life, but what you will live is a blood covered life, which means that it's under the blood. When people come to you and start talking to you about what you used to do, say, baby, that's under the bridge and it's under the blood. I don't live there no more. I'm moving forward. You can't hold me. Well, God has not held me. God hasn't held me there. Jesus gives us an open invitation. Hmm. You will not receive lasting peace in anything or anyone else other than a real relationship with Jesus. Everything else, guess what? You eat some food, you're going to be hungry again. You talk to your friends, you're going to be lonely again. You eat, you you find something to to be drinking and 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 get drunk. You're gonna be depressed again. You're gonna need something else to sedate you. There's only one thing that will give you lasting peace, and I want them to put this on the screen because I want you to take this power principle with you. That there are many things that will give you relief, but only one can give you rest. I was talking to my friend yesterday, one of my pastor friends, and he was talking about a sermon he preached. You remember that old commercial, how do you spell relief? R-O-L-A-I-D-S. <laughs> well, I've got a better way to spell relief. It's called J-E-S-U-S, that Jesus will give you relief. <laughs> Jesus will give you relief for the things that have been troubling you. You won't find rest in the comfort of a friend. You won't find rest in the incognito mode on your cell phone where you're going places and you don't want anybody to be able to trace where you're going. You might find a temporary pleasure, but you will not find consistent rest. You won't find rest in money and accomplishment. You can have more degrees than a thermometer and you can have more money than Fort Knox, but I've come to tell you, you can have a $1,000 pillow and still can't sleep at night. 
You can have all of these other things, but give me Jesus. Not only are we to come to him, but he invites us to learn of him and explore. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, you're going to have a master, whether you know it or not. You're burdened by the sin. You're burdened by the world. What a yoke is, is a yoke is an instrument of control. A yoke is something that you put on an animal, and when you put that yoke on the animal, it determines which way the animal goes. The animal doesn't go the way it wants to. When it gets out of line, you pull the yoke in the bit, and the yoke pulls the plow down the line. And also, when you have an unruly yoke, that's called discipleship. When you have an unruly calf, you take that calf and you put him beside a mature animal. And when you put him beside that mature animal, even when he tries to get out of line, he's not big enough and bad enough to mess with the mature animal. So after a while, he gets trained by the older animal to move along at a steady place. And Jesus is saying, take up my yoke. Get with somebody who knows me. Get with somebody who's walked with me for a while. Yoke up with me and will let us walk with you through discipleship so you'll learn the lessons in life that you should never ever have a retirement plan in the kingdom. Well, I'm too old to pick up boards. I'm too old to serve on this committee. But you're not too old to mentor somebody about Jesus Christ if you'll be honest and not try to pretend like you've been holy all your days and say, you know what? You got problems. I used to have those same problems too. You're upset because you have children and all of them don't have the same dad? Well, guess what? All of my children don't have the same dad either and I love Jesus. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You might have made some mistakes in life, but at the end of the day, God loves you even with your mistakes. If we would be honest and yoke up with unbelievers, we could help a lot of people that are hurting in the world. Jesus says, I want to be the person that holds that yoke. Learn of me because you're going to have a yoke. Either you're going to serve me and be a servant to me or be a slave to the enemy, but the difference between the two yokes is my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. So what I'm trying to do for you is not too much for you to bear. It's not going to ultimately destroy you. Not only do we have to come to him, but number two, everybody said we have to call to him. Many of us, there are many people in the world that would come to Jesus, but other things are holding them back, like toxic shame. They don't feel like they're worthy uh, of what Jesus has for them. And I want you to take a look at the book of 1 John, chapter 5, starting at verse 14 through 15. When they put that on the screen, I want us to, to listen to this. This is important for us. Let's read that together. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But you don't know what I did. You don't know where I've been. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I do. Well, then if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. I feel like God won't talk to me after all I've been through if we ask anything. According to his will, if we're saved and we know him, he hears us. There's another scripture I want us to read, and it says this. It says, go to that next scripture, guys. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we do have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us 
approach then God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. What are you saying? A lot of times we hide stuff because we feel like if we come to the church people and tell them what's really going on, they won't understand. But I've come to tell you, there is somebody who understands temptation. There is, the Bible says he was in all points tempted. He didn't yield to it, but he knows what it's like to be in a fleshly body and have to deal with the temptations and all the vicissitudes of life. He knows what it's like to deal with those things. So when you come to him, he's not standing on a high horse looking at you. He's standing there empathizing with you, saying, I know what it feels like, and I love you, and you're not thrown away. I'm not. I'm a carpenter. Good carpenters, Brother Bob, don't throw anything away. A good carpenter could take a block and make something out of it that'll be useful. I've come to tell you that God is not in the business of throwing his children away when they falter. God is not in the business of throwing his children away when they make a mistake. Church people are in the habit of doing that. We're the only people that love to kill our wounded, but God is not in the habit of throwing away people. God will take broken glass and make a stained glass window out of your life. God is ready to pick up all the broken pieces of your life and bring beauty out of it. He says, I will give you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. He wants you to come to him. And if you come to him boldly before his throne, the word says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in our time of need. If you need grace, let the shame go and go to Jesus and let Jesus heal you. I have good news for you. God is not like man. I don't know about what you've been through, but I've needed a little grace in my life. And I've, I've learned that God is not waiting to execute us. He's wanting to liberate us from those things. He's not worried about the state that are on our life because he has something that's better than OxyClean and it's called the blood of his son. And the blood of his son, though your sins be as scarlet, he can make you as white as snow. Jesus can wash away your sin. What can wash (laughs) away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole within? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. (laughs) No precious is the flow that will make me white as snow there is no other help I know nothing but the blood of Jesus hallelujah God is waiting for us to reach out to him if you need a second chance this morning if you need a third chance if you need a 15th chance if you need a 16th chance how do I know he'll do it because he told his disciples that you should forgive 70 times 7 which means that you should forgive an innumerable amount of times there is no limit to the amount of time that your brother should forgive or you should forgive your brother and Jesus never does anything or tells us to do anything that he does not do himself. (laughs) So it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Jesus is sitting there waiting for you to say, Lord, I'm sorry for the life I've lived. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for trusting in my money rather than trusting in you. I'm sorry for trusting in my friends and going to Facebook and YouTube for comfort rather than going to you. But God, today I surrender. I know I told you that last week. I know I've been telling you that 30 times across this year. But God, I'm here at times 
time number 31, wondering, do you have grace for time 31? And Jesus says, I'm infinite. It never ends. You could be at time 3100 and I'm still ready to receive you. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's there waiting to give us rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear a song saying, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. One who can heal all of my soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. And I love the verse. It says, Jesus knows all about our struggles. Hallelujah. You're not by yourself. Jesus knows what you're going through. You might not want to tell anybody else because they'll tell you business, but I've come to tell you, you can lay on a pillow soaked with tears in the middle of the night and tell Jesus and he's up and he doesn't hit the ignore button on his phone. When I was young, they used to say, Jesus is on the main line. Call him up and tell him what you want. It doesn't matter if it's midnight. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter if it's three in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's four in the morning. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know, that when you're in the deepest parts of your life, Jonah said, from the belly of hell I cried. And guess what? He still got service in the bottom of the ocean. You may run out of cell phone service, but Jesus can hear you if you'll just cry. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to have a microphone. But you can be just like the publican. And you can just beat your breast and say, Lord, I need a little mercy right now. Lord, I need a little strength. My strength is failing. Lord, I need a little help and I feel like giving up. And he'll whisper in your ear, for they that wait upon the Lord. (laughs) He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I've come to you to tell you that there's a solution to your problem. There is an answer to your issue. And his name is Jesus. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hallelujah. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You've been waiting on the government to bail you out. You've been waiting on friends to help you out. But I've come to tell you that it's only Jesus that can bring you out. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hallelujah. Not only do we have to come to him, and not only do we have to call to him, but somebody say we need to commit to him. See, we live in a world where commitment and consistency are long-gone principles. We want everything quick. We can't stand for a meal. We can't stand to wait for our food to be done. We're rude to waiters and waitresses if we have to wait for more than five seconds on something. If we don't get what we want when we want it, we generally tend to give up. We are a microwave society. We are people of long-gone fads and trends, people that have no patience. And that means that we have no love because love is what? Patience. Hallelujah. We are a microwave society that has forgotten the principle of how to wait. And that's why a lot of things aren't showing up in your life because you asked God something here. And by the time God got here, you were already over there. God was trying to fix your situation right here. But before he could work the parts out to get your situation 
crucifix right there, you had already moved over here. And then God is trying to catch up with you here. But by the time God gets there, you've already moved here. And every time you say, Lord, I, I don't know why you're not coming. He said, because you're moving too fast. Every time I get somewhere, you've already moved. You asked me to fix this relationship and you hopped to five or six and I can't fix one because you won't stay in one. You asked me to fix one job and you hopped to five or six jobs and I can't help you because the problem is not with the job. The problem is not with the person. The problem is with you and I can't catch you because you won't be still. You've got to commit to him. We try fads and relationships and our, our diets. How many of you ever tried a fad diet? We didn't want to wait and do the hard work of, of being disciplined and just changing our diet for the rest of our life and say, maybe I should have to give up some sugars. I know I, I, don't, need, I, I don't want to, but I need to. Maybe I should give up uh, and do exercise every day consistently and not make excuses why I shouldn't, not make excuses why I shouldn't eat right. And the reason we see no consistency in our health is because there is no consistency in our behavior because we refuse to commit to anything. Every time we have an emotional upheaval, we go right back to the same old things that we were in. You were working out fine. You were doing good. You were loving people. Then all of a sudden, something emotional happened. You know you didn't eat that candy bar, but you found that candy bar. Anyway, where did this candy bar come? I thought I threw all my candy bars away, but somehow this, I found one sitting here in the cup. But you know you don't need to eat that. I, I thought I was through with that person. I thought that I finally cut them loose, but all of a sudden, somebody made me upset and somehow I realized I didn't need their number in my phone. I had it memorized and now I find myself on the phone with people I have no business on the phone with and gossiping about things I have no business gossiping about. Why? Because I wouldn't stay long enough in the process for Jesus to work on me. Before they have any time for progress, they move on to the next thing. We don't give things time to work. And oftentimes, we don't give wounds time enough to heal. We get hurt from things. and we, we pretend that we're okay, and we move right into the next thing, and we're damaged, and we haven't dealt with what's all in our trunk. We haven't dealt with the drunk in our trunk. That's why a lot of relationships don't work, because of rebound relationships. You got all this junk and all the stuff they said, and you see, see a guy, and he's cute, or see a girl, and, and she's comely, and, and you say... Oh, how you doing? I'm, I'm nice and I'm polished. I'm right there waiting for you. I, I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. No, you're not. You're single and you got all this junk in your life that you're covering up and they meeting your representative. If you go on a date, they don't meet the real person. You never meet the real person on the first date. You always meet their representative there. You have a, a, a constitutional republic in your life and they never see you. They see your congressman. They, they see your senator that comes out to meet them and to greet them, the one that's nice and has all the smiles, not the one that has no patience and a bad attitude all the time. They don't see the crabby person. That's why I say you need to see people at all phases of their life before you hook up with them. See what they like when they don't have anything. See what they like when they're tired. See what they like when they're angry. Why? Because that's the real person and you'll see them in all the phases and spaces of their life. But we've come so accustomed to this, especially in church. That's why somebody become, some people are uncomfortable with the new church culture that doesn't dress up. You know why? Because when I dressed up, I created an appearance that everything was all together and I look holy and I look righteous and I can cover up all that other stuff in my life. But now we all look the same and now you got a problem because nobody cares about your clothes and your clothes aren't that impressive anymore. So now we stop looking at your clothes and how nice you look and look at the fact that you can't speak to nobody. 
we've we've gone from oh you girl you look good in that to do you know every time I see her she got a frown on her face. Sometimes we use clothes to cover up what's going on in our life. God didn't save your clothes. He saved your soul. Nothing wrong with wearing suits and things like that. I got a ton of them. I wear them. What are you saying? That Jesus says, don't become a whitewashed tomb. Don't look good on the outside and be full of dead men's bones and baggage on the inside. Let's quit right here. See, I want you to see something in the book of John chapter 6, and we're going to go. Jesus is rather frustrated with some people. And the reason he's frustrated with them, Jesus can't seem to get rid of these people. He's performed some miracles, and they keep coming to him. And, and Jesus sees them in verse 25. It says this, Matthew 6 and 25, John 6 and 25. I didn't give this to the media team, so it won't be there. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, Jesus had went to the other side of the lake and got away from them. It says, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? As if they were really concerned about Jesus. You would have thought that Jesus would have looked and said, I'm so glad to see you. You searched me out. You really care about who I am. You want to see who I am. But Jesus turns bound and he says in verse 26, he says this, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus says, you're not looking for me for me. You're looking for me because you want something from me. I ask yourself a question. Why are you in the building today? Are you in the building for Jesus? Or did you just come for some emotional help and healing? That's a deep thought. Why am I following Jesus? Am I following him because I need a blessing? Am I following him because I need a miracle? Or am I following him because even if I was broke, I'd follow him anyway? And Jesus goes back and forth with these people. And then Jesus does something that every good pastor does to annoying members. He tries to get rid of them. He says some things that are very offensive to them. And he looks at them and says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. If you're a pastor, listen to this. Don't try to get rid of your members. That was a joke. But just in case. But he does. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He's talking about fellowship. Of course, they can't get it because they're not looking any deeper than the surface because the surface is all they want. You can have no part in me. And they keep going back and forth and bantering with Jesus. And finally, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you one last time how to do this. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, or you can have no part of me. And then they responded like every good church member responds. Let's go to John chapter 6. It's verse 66, and see what they did when Jesus required something from them rather than them wanting something from him. Let's read that together. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him.
Jesus says, are you here just because you want me to talk to you about baggage and heal some things in your life? Or are you here for me? Because when first things are first, as C.S. Lewis says, second things are not suppressed, but they're increased. If you handle the primary thing, your relationship with Jesus, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will what? Be added unto you. Keep your priorities in line. They turned and walked away from Jesus. And Jesus wasn't a modern day pastor. Jesus didn't do a case study. He didn't have a focus group to find out what millennials like so he could get millennials into his church. He didn't find a way to put up life and smoke to try to get people to come in and all those things are good and we'll probably end up doing some of that too nothing wrong with those things jesus didn't didn't get the best praise team he didn't get the best band he only had 12 people left and if i was the pastor what i would probably do is say guys there's only us left we got to band together as a team and we got to go out and evangelize and get more people but let's see what jesus says. look at verse 67 put up verse 67 and uh let's read what he asked them you ready? Read. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. In other words, he's saying, while everybody leaving, the door is open. If you're not committed to me, you see where those other 70 just went? What he's saying is, I don't need you. You need me. I'd like to have you, but I don't need you. I choose to use you. But Peter says something that's one of the most profound things that I've ever heard. Peter is so bipolar. Peter is the guy that all of a sudden he will say something and people will be like, that is the most profound thing in the world. And then Peter would go say something else, and somebody would say, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. Because Peter liked to talk about stuff, and he liked to speak before he thought about it. And he just shoot out what was ever on his heart or what was on his mind. But Peter says something, and this is the crux of our service for today. Verse 68 says this. Let's read it together. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where shall we go? Well, don't you think that you should rather do this than that? No. Why wouldn't? You're still going out to church? Why wouldn't I? But the coronavirus is out there. That's great. They got masks and vaccines. I see you at Walmart. You don't ask me when I go to Walmart. So why do you have a problem with me going to church? Where else would I go? If I eat the bread inside of Walmart, I'll be hungry again. But if I eat the bread that's inside of this word, it can satisfy my soul forever. Where else will we go? Jesus is calling out to say, if you really want your baggage unpacked, you got to start at the source. Pull up that last power principle, guys. I want to read that, and we're going to be gone. Let's read that together. If you truly want to be free of your baggage, the answer is not in your quest to be free. It is in the pursuit of your liberator, Jesus Christ. Leave that up on the screens, guys. I want you to ask yourself those questions 
I think the media team is going to start putting those things out on social media and things like that, what I call power principles or power points, little things that you can look at and you can meditate across the, the weeks and let that be part of your devotional life as we begin to feed you more and to begin able to try to get something to you at least two or three times a week that will feed your soul outside of the building. If you truly want to be free of your baggage, the answer is not in that quest to be free. It's in the pursuit of your liberator. Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this old world. Give me Jesus. Can you lift your hands and sing that with me? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have this world. Give me Jesus. How many want them today? Give me Jesus. Brother Dave, give me Jesus. You can the name of Jesus. 